Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Hello and thanks for downloading Outspoken, the podcast that brings you the very best of our daily talk sports show. On today's episode, myself and Simon reflected on a crazy Monday with results in the Premier League that had serious ramifications at the foot of the table and incredible drama on the final day of the championship season. What a day it was actually when you look at it 21 goals yep. from three crucial games On a balmy day in, in the Premier League It really was nuts And then we looked at what happened at the Amex Brighton, who'd been yep. going so well With World Cup winner Alexis McAllister Up against Everton And Everton win it But didn't just win it 5-1 I mean, where in there Everton, Everton fans who travelled yesterday Must have been leaving there thinking If only I mean, where did it come from? Is this a Sean Dyche factor? Yeah. Maybe it is. In fact, this was Dyche post-match. I mean, I've not been on it, stare at it, you know, all the time. Uh, the one at the end of the season, the most important, I say it all the time because it is factually. Um, I try and keep my focus on that. I try and keep my focus on the performance levels. I try to keep my focus on the details in the performance levels. And, you know, I came away very frustrated at Leicester. I thought it was a very, very good performance. Um, and the, the, as I just mentioned, the pleasing thing for me was taking it on again here against a, a very, very strong side, but also a very, very confident side. So to do that was incredibly pleasing. I mean, Simon, the game, as we know, can throw up shocks, but that yeah. defied belief, that defied logic. No one could have seen that coming. It was the first time Everton have scored three first half goals in a Premier League game since 2018. No wonder we didn't see it coming. Well, it's a, a moment in time. It's come of the... I, you know, you look at these games at these three sides that have got that are really contesting the bottom three spots, which are Leeds, Nottingham Forest and Everton. Really, yeah. they're probably the guys that are the ones that are the most challenged. Um, and you look at it and think there's got to be a result that comes out of nowhere. There has to be a result, a freak result. And that, on paper, looks like it. But then you roll the dice back and you go, who's the two teams that have beaten Brighton in the last week and really needed to beat Brighton? The two teams that are fighting for relegation battles, Nottingham Forest... Um, and Everton. Mm. And so you ask yourself how that manifests itself because, you know, um, necessity is the mother of invention, isn't it? And they needed to win those games. And so the Deitch effect was 
ultimately there because he, I did think he was right. They were unlucky yeah. against Leicester. They, they were fragile defensively, but they were unlucky against Leicester. They came full of beans. They went at Leicester from the first minute of the game uh, and gave away silly goals uh, in, in terms of putting themselves behind and lo- nearly lost a penalty again to Madison, who missed the penalty and it could have been out of sight by them. But that, the, the, that result, the Corey's performance, Dwight McNeil's performance, the energy and vitality of that performance has put Everton now in a rather better position than anyone anticipated they would be in because if you look at the run-ins and start to say, forget Man City, right? forget the Man City game, right? you look at Wolves and you look at Bournemouth and you think to yourself, neither one of these teams have anything to play for besides professionalism. Right, right. And we can question that sometimes at the business back end of a season. So you start to move the dial saying, they've just thrown themselves the biggest lifeline that anyone could have possibly contemplated sure. and put all the onus I mean obviously Forrest did their job last night mm, mm. but Leicester now look Southampton are gone mm. Leeds is running looks like yeah. irrespective of the Sam factor they've got real real troubles could be Leeds could be Leicester I mean they look at what went on at the Amex and they're like now, now we're in trouble well you look at it and say it's difficult to see past them now we've just seen a set of results the Forest result they had to win that game I was with a group of Forest fans on the weekend a good mates of mine one of them I took to the Spurs game because he's a Forest fan when Spurs played Forest and he said to me we're, we, you know, we're very nervous about the game but Forest have been better in recent weeks they've been better both at home and away they've been more determined they've been quite unlucky they were very unlucky against Brentford yeah you know they were stronger in that side away from home than they've been all season yet they still managed to come out with a defeat yeah so now they've put themselves in a great position and the pressure on Leicester and Leeds has just ramped up several notches well Gabriel the Manchester United fan is saying this morning fair play to you Simon do you remember just last week you said it wasn't all doom and gloom about Everton and last night proved that what he does do Sean Dyche he gets a tune out of players particularly a tune out of players that he knows he knows you mentioned Dwight McNeil and he, he was absolutely awesome for Everton yesterday he spoke after he was asked how pleased was he that uh, the destiny of Everton is now very much in their own hands yeah the main thing is for us was winning and getting out the bottom three and we did it and I thought we deserved the three points especially how we played in the first half but now we've got to look back on it what we did well in the game and what we didn't do so well in the game and get ready for the big game on Sunday Watching your last two away games it's pretty clear that you're all in this together you're fighting you're scrapping for every ball how much can that make a difference between now and the end of the season that, that character yeah massive we know our away form hasn't been too good this season um, and we're wanting to prove it but now we're getting four four points in the last two away games is, is a good starting point and now he's got to build on it for the remaining three games of the season obviously it doesn't get any easier from here with Manchester City at, at the weekend but you score five goals away from home against a, a good Brighton side so does that give you confidence that maybe you can get something against the champions to fire the odds yeah, massive. We're, we're at home as well. Um, we know it's going to be the biggest test for us, but we've got to focus on ourselves and how can we affect and and uh, play our part in the game as well and, and take the game on. What about your goalkeeper as well? Because when Brighton did come on strong in the second half, he made some really big saves. How much assurance does it give you knowing you've got a player of that calibre guarding your net? Yeah, massive. Uh, we knew when we come up for second half, there would be a reaction and there was, and Jordan was there to make some great save for us as well it's good to have to have him and the back four behind us as well because everyone's solid I thought we defended really well today Dominic Calvert-Lewin looked like he was somewhere near back to his best today obviously he's had a wretched couple of years with injury could he almost be like a new signing in these last few games of the season yeah Dom's massive for us um, and he was a big miss for us when he was out injured but now he's he's back fit 
and um, I think he's getting better game by game and his all-round play is amazing. He can hold up, he can run in behind and today the way to pass for, for the first goal to Dukes was, was outstanding. Uh, made made the finish easy for Dukes putting it in first time but credits to Dukes well so early in the game came his composure and putting us one up. I re- Dwight McNeil speaking there with Alex Crook. Um, Simon, I reckon one question Everton fans will be asking this morning, if, if it goes in their favour and they survive, what plans can Everton put in place to stop the same story evolving again next season? And the story being two potential late escapes on the trot for the football club. They escaped it by the skin of their teeth last season yeah. under Lampard and now under Deitch it could well be the same again. But Everton fans will be they've saying, done it. we've had enough of this. But they've, done, they've laid their plans. They've brought in a manager that's capable of delivering a better outcome. They've laid their plans. They brought in Deitch. If he keeps them up, then the energy will, will will soar back into the football club for the for the right reasons and the wrong reasons. The wrong reasons is that they narrowly avoided relegation. The right reasons that they avoided relegation, and Deitch will kick them up a gear. Now, of course, if the financial landscape has changed slightly for them, and they're no longer under what I would describe as special measures, special measures, which is the Premier League watching like hawks every single transaction they do, they can only sell to get in. And if they've gone past that stage because they've now had two or three years of this situation, then they put themselves in a different situation. And the third thing is get Mashiri as far away from the football side of things as possible. <laughs> he's Those, not, no, not going to do that, though. No, I mean, if you were well, told you, that at Palace, you'd be like, really do one, it's my money. But if I'd spent 500, £750 million, £500 on players to achieve a side that's in absolute freefall, financial meltdown, sitting at the bottom of the table two seasons in a row with a football club the size of Everton with its neighbours across the road constantly doing better and sneering at them, I think I'd say to myself, maybe, maybe it's better for me to take a back seat and put some people in place that are capable. Maybe I'd look at change up and changing up the board with no disrespect to Denise and Bill uh, and look at the calibre of people that I've got there and where they are in the great scheme of things and try and get this club back on the right track. Yeah. Because at this moment in time, everybody's rearranging the decks on the Titanic at Everton. That's what they're doing. But you go to the next raft of games with Leicester, Leeds, Forest and, and Everton, it looks like it'll be more of the same. The, 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 this, these results on, the, on Monday are so important because the next bank of fixtures, Leicester have got Liverpool, Leeds have got Newcastle, Forest have got Chelsea and Everton have got Man City. So you can see that being all four of them losing yeah. and nobody in a better position than they were on Monday, which is a great place to be, given the games that Everton have got coming after that, and a couple of other teams have got coming after that. But this next, you know, raft of fixtures for all four sides, you can't see any of them winning. But again, another freak result. We don't know what Chelsea will turn up because Forest could quite easily go and get a point or win at Chelsea because Chelsea are rubbish. One hundred percent engagement. Outspoken with White and Jordan. So, well done to Everton. Um, uh, Their problem somewhat eased uh, for the time being, but not so Leicester. They were 3-0 down at half-time yesterday against Fulham. They then fought back from 4-0 to 5-3, but the fight back was too little too late. Leicester fans at the end uh, responded by chanting, you're not fit to wear the shirt in the direction of their players. Dean Smith, of course, recently appointed at Leicester. He rejected the idea that those Leicester players don't care. I think the fans are frustrated and disappointed because they come to see their, their team and you know when you go three goals down, I understand that frustration. Um, you know the one thing I can say to to the supporters because they stuck with us to the end there is that these players do care. Yes, some of them aren't playing as well as they can do at the moment, but they certainly care. You know the way, the way we're phrasing this this morning, Simon, and I think this is the best way to do it because Leicester fans are now getting in touch. I mean, do, to you, do they look like a side? that doesn't appreciate the seriousness of the situation that they're in. No, it's, I, I think it's they, now positively perilous. I don't think they're um, I don't think they don't appreciate the seriousness of the situation. I think they're bricking themselves 
if you look at the um re- the, the way that they played against um, Everton last week, defensively they looked all over the place. So I don't think it's a case that they don't get the gravity of it. I think they get the gravity of it and they can't cope with it. I think that's the situation. That does not go well. Um, I think if you look at the seeds of this, he started in the FA Cup defence last January where Brendan Rodgers started that tirade of the people in this football club, we need to change it up, we need to get rid of people, people don't need to be here anymore, yeah. they've got the wrong attitude. Yeah. And that's permeated through his tenure because I think he was weak uh, in his management of Leicester. And I think the outcomes and the inability to change it and the change of direction from the ownership. Every owner right, has the right to change. They don't have to endlessly pump money into it. But the problem is, is that that is now the beast that football is. And there's no, there's no right for anybody to stay in the Premier League, but there is a better group of players on that pitch in on paper than is currently sitting at the bottom of the table or second to bottom of the table. So there is an element of the fans. I don't ever like fans getting into the mob attitude of going after people and not supporting something, but sometimes it's difficult to defend the indefensible. And the, this group of... You know, we listen to James Madison talk about, you know, hang on a second, when people were writing article, writing comments about a game which Leicester played in, and he said, you're not even looking at the right game. You know, we dominated this particular game, and he was right. Mm. Well, there is a point now where Leicester are staring down the barrel and it's very difficult for um, Leicester's fans to look at it and go, well, that's impressive. It's impressive to be 3-0 down um, to uh, to Fulham. It's impressive. It's impre- I mean, when you're, when you're 3 or 4-0 down in a game and you come back, there's an element of cheating in that because it's easy to play when the game's gone. It's yes. much easier yeah, yeah, to play. Yeah. It's much yeah. more difficult to play when you're on the front foot and you've got to achieve something right. and you've got parity. Yeah. I mean, Madison, for one, you mentioned them there. But this is where it comes down to a a perfect example of words that are used at a time like this have got to be specially chosen. Post-match, he says, we were not hungry enough to want to win the game and we were not aggressive enough. Now, Leicester fans are thinking, we were not hungry enough. Really? At a time like this? Then Madison took to social media later on last night and said, what's wrong with social media? Say one thing in an interview straight after a game and it gets taken way out of context. No, James, you said it. He goes on to say, when I say not hungry enough, I mean aggressive and on the front foot in duels, not not us wanting to win or realising the importance. So, we were not good enough today and we've only got ourselves to blame and apologise for that. I mean, talk about the same compounding thing, though, isn't it? the situation. It's the same thing, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we're talking about appetite and hunger. If you're not prepared to win your first battles and win the duels yeah. uh, and be on the front foot, then you're not playing for the shirt the way you should because those are the default settings. Ability and adversity and challenges and mistakes, those are things that happen, right, and you can't legislate for. But you can control. The one thing in life you can control is your own reaction to things in your mind. Right? And their approach to the game, talk about the hunger side of things, which has been extrapolated up to a lack of desire, and then he turns around and says, what I actually meant was we weren't competitive enough in our jewels, we didn't win our battles, we didn't do the... Well, that's the same thing. It's the same thing, just dressed up in a slightly more palatable perspective. Hunger gets extrapolated up to there's no desire, but the desire that's required to meet the expectations of winning your jewels, winning your battles, putting your best foot forward, it's the same thing in a different guise. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't get himself out from behind the eight ball. He will, he will be one of the first players on the train away from Leicester somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. So don't, can't believe- you, don't, don't, you, don't you have the audacity to come on and talk about a lack of hunger or not winning jewels because you will be gone. Yeah, you can't believe this and is the, fans the same will still Leicester be there. who lifted the thing seven years ago. Well, more than that, you can't believe this is the same Leicester that won the FA Cup two years ago. Yeah. 
and yeah. all that was about that. You know, uh, all the Leicester fans watching them win the FA Cup for the first time. There's new dawn of opportunity under Brendan Rodgers, cementing the achievements of the Premier League, winning an FA Cup for the first time in their history. All their celebrity fans, Lineker and all that crowd, talking about the opportunity of what Leicester looks like now. And here they are now, bang. And bang they're, is they Liverpool are at home, Newcastle away. On the edge. Yeah, West Ham at home. I mean, good luck with that. Liverpool at home, did they get anything from that? Newcastle away. West Ham at home in the final day. Yeah. I mean, they've got it all to do. Yeah. So get hungry, get aggressive. Well, you do can't, it. You can't see. I mean, Brighton is a different animal to, to Liverpool and Newcastle right now. Brighton is getting lots of praise, and rightly so. Um, and, uh, and ultimately, you didn't see that result coming, but you can't see. The, the, the motivations for Liverpool and Newcastle are much more acute than possibly they are with Brighton. The expectations of Liverpool are higher. So that means they're more acute when it comes to the business end of the season. That's why they send goalkeepers up in the last minute to score goals against West Bromwich Albion that got them into the European Cup before. This time round, to think that Liverpool and Newcastle are going to falter to Leicester is is, is unfathomable. It's it, there's more there's more purchase on the Everton result than there yeah. would be on these two. Yeah. Last game of the season. Well, yes, I can see him beating West Ham because West Ham will be safe. They'll be in a European final if they do their jobs properly. In these semi-finals against, so they might just get something out of that. So they might just get yeah. a slightly depleted West Ham side with the eyes on the price For somewhere sure. else. So For you sure. can see him getting three points out of that, but that isn't going to be enough. Yeah, uh, I was at West Ham on Sunday night. I half thought we'd going up to Forest last night, but then I thought last that night been some atmosphere. Look at well, the atmosphere was magnificent. Looking at it, I would have thought I'd be sitting soaked to the skin coming back in a train late on. The weather was atrocious. Nottingham Forest beat Southampton four three. Are they all but there now? Steve Cooper spoke to us uh, pre-match, and he was. Excellent, just as excellent post-match last night. Well, we start and end with the three points, and that's that's the the reality of of tonight. The main objective, roller coaster of how we got there, and um, I'm not really um, in the knee. You know, I don't really want to pick the bones out of the whole game. Yeah, I don't think we need to. Um, I think the main things that um, I'm thinking about is the the quality that we showed in the goals that we scored, recovering from from mistakes in in the goals that we conceded, and some other bits of play. Um, but the most important thing was the, the togetherness and the spirit. You know, uh, we're really good. We're, we've had we've had that all season. We showed it again tonight. You know, um, real good connection with the supporters, as, as everyone sees when they come here. And um, in the end, it was all enough to get us the, the three points we were desperate for. And this is uh, Evangelist Maranakis was there watching mm. on. Gibbs White was good last night, wasn't he? Gibbs White was tremendous. Mm. Would it be a real against all the odds achievement for Cooper if if, if he keeps Forrest up and they keep themselves up? Depends whose eyes you're looking at it through. If you're looking at it through the eyes of the owner, probably not, because it's what he expected. And that's what he spent X amounts of hundreds of millions of pounds on. Whether it was spent wisely, different discussion. Um, certainly Lingard, not. Um, but when you get into the territory of the football world, looking at a side that's been out of the Premier League for 23 years, looking at a side that's been really poor away from home all season, and then you could see them wobbling during courses of the season, I think it's above expectation. I think staying in the division, they've done remarkably well if they managed to achieve it. Does it back... The idea that Maranakis rode back against the orthodoxy of taking out managers when it looks like they've got their first wobble. Well, I think you've got to take it on a case-by-case basis, haven't you? I, I'm in the camp of don't tell me what you've done for me previously, tell me what you're going to do for me next. And so the idea that he, because he got them promoted should be the only reason he stayed in the job. But it's difficult to see three months into a season with all the challenge, two months into the season, all the challenges that Forrest were having... Because they did have a depleted squad. Whether we like it or we don't, whoever bought the players, we can argue this one to the cows come home. Mm. But they needed to have players bought because they had a squad that was being, you know, had been diminished by the nature of the contracts they had with players on loan deals left, right and centre. Boys like Jed Spence going off to play for Tottenham's reserves and whatever else. All that component parts of voice that got them promoted yeah. needed to be replaced. 
So I'm glad for him. And so, you know, I, I made the observation before you get to make it that two or three years ago he was a bridesmaid um, because he kept on getting Swansea into playoffs and never getting them promoted. But he's a decent manager. I, I don't think he's the messiah, but for Forrest he will be because he's got them into the Premier League. And if he keeps them there, then they will, you know, they'll put a statue outside the city ground alongside Clough. I think it was always going to be like this for them, was it not, though? I mean, get up, yes, after all these years, sure. The new personnel on the playing side, yeah, but stay up. That's the challenge. Next season's different. But it doesn't have to be like that, does it? Because it wasn't like that for Sheffield United in their first season, and it wasn't like that for Swansea when they went up. It hasn't been like that for other sides that have gone up. It was like that for Forest, and may well just be because of the very things that we just spoke about, yeah. which is when these teams have gone up, like Swansea and Sheffield United, they kept the core of the side that got them promoted. He hasn't done that. And and and, and also, of course, there are issues around quality. And the second season gives you an opportunity to do one of two things. You know, improve the quality or get caught out by not changing because people have worked you out. Sheffield United got caught out by not changing because people worked them out. Cooper, I think, is a better coach than Chris Wilder. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. We have been speaking, of course, uh, about the events of yesterday in the Premier League. Some incredible, incredible outcomes as uh, we went goal crazy in the Premier League. But now we know it's down to the playoffs in the Championship after another tumultuous bank holiday Monday. Played in and on goal, chips it over the keeper, and he has scored again. It could be a huge goal for Millwall. It could lift them into the playoffs. Sammy Schmonix for Blackburn Rovers has scored in the derby. What a huge goal that could be in the race for the championship playoff. Lovely first time ball. Picks out Gordon right hand side of the box. In for Gyokuris. Three points to Coventry City. And they've scored again. Sunderland two goals in a minute. Ahmed Diallo side foot home. Sets up Townsend on the underlap. Townsend crosses. What is 
far post, taps it in, West Brom have turned it around. There is nothing like the playoffs. You know, he's right, Simon. The drama of that yesterday, now we know who plays who when it comes to the playoffs. Sunderland get in at the expense of Millwall, as do Coventry. So it's going to be Luton against Sunderland and Middlesbrough against Coventry in the playoff semi-finals. Stories everywhere. Absolutely. Stories everywhere, not least with Coventry, when, yeah. when you think of where they've come from. Well, that's from. what I was going to say. You've got to give two football clubs a remarkable amount of, of credit in this situation. Sunderland, because they're rebuilding and coming back up again, with all that re, you know magnificent support that they've had being outside of the you know top two divisions for a couple of years. And then you've got Coventry, you know the car crash that has been Sisu's ownership over the last 17, 18 years, has resulted in them playing at six fields, resulted in them having no football stadium to play in. Resulted in all kinds of things. Yet Mark Robbins has done a great job. It's been un- it's been boiling. The only downside to it is we have to listen to people like Richard Keys now if they get promoted. Oh, oh well, that's we true. can't have any of that, can we? I forgot about that. And of course, Millwall fans watched on at the Den. They were up against Blackburn. Uh, they were three one up. Ended up losing by four mm. goals to three. My heart went out to him. I've got to say, whenever I approach Gary Rowett, he's always there for the show and always speaks to us. Yesterday, he had to speak post match. Did it with dignity. But boy, boy, were they disappointed. Yeah, I'm proud of all the players. I think, you know, players, staff, everyone at the club, I think we've worked incredibly hard to produce another excellent, excellent season. I think we've moved forward in different ways in in terms of the team. I think we've moved forward in different ways in terms of the way the squad's looked. Uh, I think the likes of Zian coming in has had a massive, massive impact. And again, you know, these are things that we've had to work hard to try and do. We always wanted to go one step further this season. Look, it wasn't... It wasn't just about getting in the top six, of course. It's about trying to get out of the league. Um, so, you know, today would have been the first part of it. And we haven't managed to do that. And we've got to accept the reasons why we didn't manage to do it. We've got to accept some of the things we might need to improve in order to be in a better position to handle this type of game or do the right things in this type of game. But, but I feel for the lads because I think they've given, even a game like today, they've given everything. I think we just have to play with a little bit more composure and, and professionalism when you free one up and I think that's really what's killed us Millwall then miss out Simon mm-hmm. I was there some weeks ago when I saw mm-hmm. them play Burnley and the company had Burnley knocking it about everywhere looked odds on to win it and then Millwall the hard graft endeavour got them a point that mm-hmm. night and and Rowett's right it, the, he gets a lot from these players but yesterday they didn't come up to it. Yeah, I mean, what's remarkable is how low the points tally has been to yeah. get into the top six this season. Normally, you sort of benchmark it up from 73 upwards gets you into sixth spot. This season, it's 69 points. I mean, last year, Millwall finished with 69 points and finished ninth. This year, they finished with 68 points and finished eighth. So, uh, the progress is, they've steadied, what, they've, what he's doing is a decent job there. But you can't be 3-1 up at home on the last game of the season with everything in your own hands and lose. You can because they did. But prima facie, you've got to look at that and go, what happened there? That was the moment. That was it. Mm. Millwall were never going to get automatic promotion. They weren't in that situation. So they've got to look at themselves and say, how do we manage to allow ourselves? But, you know, fair play to Blackburn, but notwithstanding that, you're free one up in the final game of the season, which takes you into the playoffs. I don't know. I mean, I say that, but I remember with Palace, when we got promoted, we were flying and we had to go to the last game of the season. We played Coventry. 
and Coventry were rubbish at that time and they beat us and we were 2-0 down at half time and, and only because another team managed to salvage us I forget who it was I think it might have been Brian Dean scoring a goal somewhere that got us into a better position uh, to get into the playoffs but we lost so again but we weren't at home we were away to Coventry yeah. but the point is I mean some people might think that because Millwall and the relationship between Millwall and Palace is always a little bit tenuous or, or terse shall we say that I would be laughing no I'm sad because I think Millwall were a great little football club and I'm sad for their fans because I've seen them being in the playoffs before. They were, un- they were in the playoffs under Theo Pafitas in 2001, lost to Birmingham. Birmingham got promoted that season. So, uh, you know, despite the, the moniker of where Millwall no one likes us, they were, they were a decent football mm. club and they deserve And Gary Rout has been there for a few years doing a decent job. I've been critical of him in the past. I hope he stays there and, yeah. and continues to yeah. push them forward. And we're going to miss out on the joys of Millwall West Ham, but that's another matter well, altogether. That's a different story. Sunderland yeah. went to Preston and thanks to goals from Ahmad Diallo. Uh, Alex Pritchard and Jack Clark they won by three goals to nil it's a great story Sunderland till, till I die and all of that so they're in really at the expense of Millwall as do Coventry it's going to be Luton Sunderland Middlesbrough against Coventry uh, earlier this morning I spoke to Dan Neal Sunderland midfielder and I said to Dan how do you feel about making the playoffs? I'm absolutely buzzing the whole squad's buzzing I think yesterday was a, a whirlwind of a day with all the results I think the last few weeks have been a bit of a whirlwind. You know, I think everyone thought we were out of it at some point and all the results went our way and thankfully we got the job done yesterday. You sure did. Celebrate it last night? Uh, not quite. I'm currently sat in the car park at the training ground. We're in for recovery. Massive game on Saturday. You know, the job's not finished. We've worked very hard to get into this position. So we're going to give it we're all on Saturday. Listen, Dan, during the game... What was it like for you? How aware were you about what was happening at Millwall? For the first 60 minutes or so, wasn't really aware of it. I don't think many of the squad, except the coaches and the lads on the bench, we had to focus on winning the game first and foremost, and it was nil-nil at half-time. We needed to tweak some things because Preston were playing well. But then once we scored the first and the second, and then obviously the third was quite soon after that one, I looked over at the bench, and around that time, I think... Blackburn had equalised and made it 3-3. And then obviously later on, towards the end of the game, I think someone was down injured. And uh, I just heard the Sunderland fans going mental in the stand. And I knew something was up. So I I went over at the bench and they said that uh, Blackburn had had made it 4-3. And um, yeah, it was just a case of making sure we hold on and praying that Blackburn held on. As a local lad, I mean, what does this mean for your football club? We've seen the fall. Are we now seeing the rise again of Sunderland? Yeah, definitely. The fall was tough, you know. Obviously, I was there as a fan during the fall. Uh, I came in on my scholarship at 16, and it was our first year in League One. And I was desperate to get into the, the first team as soon as possible because I wanted to be part of a squad that could potentially make history. And, you know, having the chance to potentially have back-to-back promotions could potentially be an amazing achievement. And, yeah, I'm sure all the fans, I mean, they've been brilliant throughout the season. They come in the numbers every single week and they've really helped with push to get to the point that we are in this, in this season. After Burnley, Luton have, have lost the fewest number of games in the championship and it's Luton for you in the playoffs. Now, you, you've drawn with them twice, as you know. Is this going to be a semi-final of fine margins? Yeah, definitely. I think I've watched Luton a lot on the telly and obviously we've played them and they're a very tough team to break down. They've got the two big men up front, Morris and Adebayo, uh, very dangerous. And they're just very good at what they do. They're a very organised team, well-coached team. 
and like you said, two one one draws this season. So it, I think it's going to be um, a game of fine margins. But you know, we've got things that I'm sure they're going to be worried about as well. I mean, our front players are up there with the best in the league, and I think it's going to be a great match for the uh, for the spectators. So now it's the drama of the playoffs. What's the mindset going into it? Do you think? I don't think you can think too much about the playoffs. I think the way the way we've got into the playoffs is almost taking that pressure off. I know it'll be difficult because the game's going to get built up, but we need to just think of it as any other game. We've done that uh, in the last running towards the end of the season and we've picked up some really good wins and some good points. So we just need to take it like it's any other game and, and go out there and play the way we've been playing. And uh, I'm sure I'm sure we can give them a good game by doing that. You know, Sammy, that was Dan Neal, incidentally, of uh, Sunderland. Thanks for the chat, Dan. Good lad he is, and Sunderland will be ready. They've got to be ready because they've got there. They're up against Luton, Middlesbrough, Coventry in the other playoff semi-finals. You cannot help but be a fan of the structure of, of, of this, Simon. If you win, yeah. If you win. <laughs> if you win. You've been involved in it. Three now, times, yeah. I mean, yeah, presumably you do have a sleepless night the night before, but when it comes down to it, it's you, absolute theatre. You do and you don't. I mean, if you do... Uh, it's because you were there for a period of time and you were settled, your, your your mindset was already there. If you sneak in in the last game of the season, then you tend to be a little bit more relaxed because it wasn't something you budgeted for. I was more relaxed when we got into the last into the, into the season we got promoted than I was in seasons when we were expected to win the league. When we got relegated in the first season from the Premier League, the following season we were expected to win the league. So we got we, st- we sort of stayed in the top six for most of the season and then managed to put the bed by being beat 3-0 <laughs> at home by Watford. Um, but I don't think there's a better thing than the playoffs. People talk about how to get promoted. There's something quite unique about winning through the playoffs. It's a different journey, mm. a different trajectory. You yeah. end up in a massive stadium at the end of it, where whether it's Millennium Stadium in our case or Wembley Stadium as it is now, and there's just something about that moment when you win a playoff final. Of course, there's also the converse argument, which is that there's not something about the moments when you lose the playoff semi-finals yeah. in games that you think you should win. But I think the playoffs for promotion is a is a brilliant advent. Playoffs for relegation? No, I'm not having that. No, no, I agree with you actually. So, so out of it all, who go, who goes up? We've got Luton, Sunderland, then Middlesbrough, Coventry. Uh, playoff semi-finals. Which two get to Wembley? Well, look, I would have I would have said if they weren't drawn together, that it might well have been Sunderland and Middlesbrough because they both score a lot of goals. Um, they're both inside the top five scoring teams in the division in terms of Middlesbrough scored as much, you know, 84 goals and Sunderland scored 68, which puts them above everybody that else. That would be tasty at Wembley, North East um, wouldn't it? But I think, realistically speaking, I think it will be um, Middlesbrough. Yeah. Will come through that particular one. And um, Luton or Sunderland? Um, I think Luton. 100% engagement. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Live on Talksport tonight, it is the business end of the Champions League. It is the Champions League semi-final first leg at the Santiago Bernabeu Stadium, Real Madrid against uh, Manchester City. At uh, the moment, as I say, live on Talksport, um, Real Madrid go into this nine to four. Manchester City just their favourites at eleven to ten going into this match, and of course, of course, we remember. Not that long ago, what Real Madrid did at the expense of Manchester City. Manchester City went out over in the Bernabeu when it looked like they were going to progress to a final. And of course, that is not lost on midfielder Rodri. I think football gives you the option to, to go have a revenge. Of course, we, I have the philosophy and I think all my teammates have the philosophy that you can always learn about uh, the past experiences. 
we did a great uh, two games, but at the end football was like this. We didn't go through, but we are here again to to fight again with with the uh, illusion, with the uh, motivation, with the feeling that we're doing the the things very very good uh, this year, and we arrive I think in the best moment. Uh, and yeah, as I tell you, we try to learn about the, what we can improve, uh, what we did bad uh, in this in that moment. So, bit of a message of revenge, says Rodri. We want revenge for what happened uh, last year. Uh, a short time ago, I spoke to the host of La Liga TV, Phil Kittramalidis. He knows everything that's going down in Spanish football. And I said, so Rodri's talking about revenge. Has that message permeated the corridors of the Bernabeu? I mean, I've been living here for a while, over 11 years, and I'm not sure I've ever seen them as respectful of an opponent, dare I say fearful, as they are of Manchester City, and in particular, Erling Haaland. The biggest sports paper in the country is Marker. The front page of Marker today, it's not a picture of Benzema, it's not a picture of Vinicius, it is a picture of Erling Haaland, and the headline is, a monster is coming to see us. They are, they're, they're worried about Haaland. Everyone's talking about him. He's never played an official game against Real Madrid, so... Here's the difference from last season. Last season, it was very, very close. City probably should have won it, and they didn't. So that's why they're talking about revenge, or, or maybe not. But Haaland is what has changed from last year. You put Haaland into that team, and Real Madrid are definitely, definitely fearful. It seems from what you're saying, Phil, Haaland's put the fear of God in them. He really has. Like Genuinely, he is the number one topic of conversation in terms of Manchester City. When Pep Guardiola comes back to Madrid, it's usually a big deal. But more people are talking about Haaland than Guardiola or, or any other player. And actually, like I said, I, I can't remember the Madrid press, the Madrid fans, the Madrid journalists focusing on one specific player like this for a long, long time. Even at the height of Messi, it was not just Messi, but here they're all focusing on Haaland and there is great respect for, uh, for what he can do. Phil, Real Madrid have fallen short in La Liga, picked up the Copa del Rey over the weekend. Where is this side right now? I mean, how different is it to last year? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, the fact that Real Madrid have struggled in La Liga shouldn't necessarily make us think that they can't win the Champions League. They won the Champions League 14 times, more than any other team. Only on four occasions have they won the La Liga title in the same season. So it's not normal for them to win La Liga and win the Champions League. They did it last year, they did it in 2017, and they did it twice in the 50s. It doesn't happen very often. So struggling in La Liga doesn't necessarily mean they're going to struggle in Europe. This season, I think the main difference is is perhaps the leader is Vinicius, whereas last year we saw the leader was Karim Benzema and maybe to a lesser extent Thibaut Courtois made some unbelievable saves. This year it seems to be all about Vinicius, what he can do. and, And when the side runs out of ideas, it's give the ball to Vinicius, he can make something happen. He's the star of this team. So he's developed, he's matured, certainly in terms of his play, maybe not necessarily in terms of his behavior, but they're a year older. Modric is a year older. Cross is a year older. Benzema is a year older. Maybe a year wiser as well. But Vinicius has, has elevated himself into the class of world superstar, which he wasn't quite at last year. Carlo Ancelotti is that bit older, Phil. What's after this for him? He says he's going to stay. A couple of weeks ago, he said, you know, I've got a contract till 2024 and, you know, we're going to be here next season. It's not that clear cut. There is an offer from the Brazil national team, which I think he would quite like to take. And 
maybe he's going to go anyway. Maybe if he loses, he goes. Maybe if he wins, he goes out on a high as well, thinking, well, it's not going to get any better than winning two Champions League in two seasons. So there's a lot of suggestions that this could be his final year, despite him having a contract for another year, despite him being happy living in Madrid, loves Madrid. But there is a feeling that it could be coming to, to the end and maybe he's not as respected as he should be by some of the Madrid fans and some of the Madrid hierarchy as well. He's not given that view of elite coach within the club that maybe he deserves. Over the weekend here, Wayne Rooney said Manchester City won't just beat Real Madrid, they'll blow them away. Do City go into this a strong favourite then? Yeah, those words those words were picked up by the media here, I have to say. Had Wayne Rooney didn't do himself any favours. So if he is going to come to Madrid at any time soon, maybe keep a, a low profile because they'll remember those words. They are favourites. They are favourites. And yet it goes against my sort of every being in my bone to say that because this is Real Madrid and it's the Champions League. And there doesn't seem to, you don't really need any more of an argument to say those two phrases. It's Real Madrid, it's the Champions League. We saw it last season in the last 16, in the quarterfinals and in the semifinals. They came from ridiculous situations to win in ridiculous fashion. So anything can happen. Real Madrid will know that. But at the same time, I think they know deep down that they're outsiders tonight, despite the magic of the Bernabeu, despite their history in this competition. They are a better team. They've got an extraordinary coach. They've got an unbelievable cyborg up front. And it's going to be very, very difficult to stop them. And I think everybody knows that with, uh, with with Real Madrid. And it's not often they go into a European tie at the Bernabeu as outsiders. But I think they might be tonight. <laughs> that, that, that's extraordinary, isn't it? So Real Madrid know exactly what's coming. Knocking on their door tonight, Simon, is a Manchester City side who go into the Bernabeu as favourites tonight to go through the two-legged tie. And Phil is saying they are terrified. Well, of I don't think terrified of Well, them. I don't think a they're outsiders. They might be slight underdogs over the two legs. I don't think they're underdogs to to get, to get beat in the Bernabeu tonight. Um, because only the two legs City are favourites to do it. Yeah, I agree with that. But you know, but I don't think they're them coming to Madrid is going to fill them with terror. I think it fills them with awareness. They are aware of what's coming. Yeah, and they're aware of the of the of the the potential for Erlen Haaland to create. Uh, some damage, but let's be clear: Man City have had better sides than Leon in previous competitions, and still lost this game. Real Madrid last year somehow managed to find their way past Chelsea, Manchester City, and Liverpool more compellingly against Liverpool. But in those particular games, everyone went, "They're not in these games. How, how are they getting outcomes?" Yes, because there is something about Madrid and Chelotti. The, the, the whole atmosphere of playing in that particular part of the world it'll be hot tonight it won't be you know the temperature in Spain is very warm at this moment in time mm. so all those things will play into it mm. the expectation levels we we will see we will see Kitchen Malides is, is, a, is a real Madrid man so he'll play it down for the man, management of the expectation but this is not going to be a gimme man, man City should overcome over two legs they should if they come away from the Bernabeu with say a 2-1 loss tonight then, then they're all right. If they come away um, with a win or a draw, then they're home and hosed. Yeah. <laughs> without, I mean, I'm agree with you, Simon. Domestically, uh, they won the Copa del Rey at the weekend, but they are they have been chasing and they've now missed out on the chase on Barcelona, mm-hmm. who are pushing towards the La Liga title. So mm-hmm. of the two, Barcelona, of course, uh, are the ones who are going to be partying at the end of this year. I agree with you. This is not the Real Madrid of old. This, no, it's not. The, the, this isn't the one we've but seen this is wiping cup, everybody aside. This is a cup competition. Yeah. And it's a shootout now. Yeah. And it's who turns up on the day. It's not who turns up over 38 games. Sure. It's who turns up on a day 
and you've got two days they've got to turn up on, and you will never, ever suggest that Real Madrid aren't capable of overcoming whoever is in front of them. It's a heck of a story if Manchester City win it for the first time. If they can do it and win this trophy for the first time, should English fans be backing English teams in Europe? Yeah. Should fans of other clubs say, do you know what? Well done to them. They are incredible. As you said, they, they, they play what, what? How did you describe it the other day? Uh, beautiful football. Beautiful football. Yeah. Beautiful. And they do. Mm. So should we all say they're on the brink of getting into the final of Europe's most elite tournament? So I think we should be let's give, get behind them. I think we should give them, I think we should give one another due respect. I don't think we should be behind them. It's like, and we said it last year, a couple of years ago, you and I had a joke about how, how do you want Scotland to get on in the European Championship? I couldn't care less. I genuinely couldn't care less. And I genuinely couldn't care less at how Man City get on, but I think they should be respected rather than diminished on the field stuff. Off the field stuff, I'll have a different conversation with you. But on the field stuff, Manchester City, as a team, should be respected. But, but the final flag for the Premier League. But, so you, you want a Liverpool fan, a Man United fan, an Arsenal fan to cheer for Man City because they're our sole representatives in the Just Champions League. Just respect it. I think it should be respected and not diminished. I think we shouldn't make it all about the fact they've done this and they've done that and they've done the other. Right? You should just look at the pure essence of what Guardiola's done, what that team looks like on paper because the only thing English about Man City is its geography. There's nothing else English about it. It's got two English players in the team, haven't they? Yeah, and for that, that reason and others, you say that Manchester City are not respected. In, in, in this country and don't command the respect that maybe they should do I, I, yeah and I make that argument and I levy it myself as well um, and that's why I wrote an article a couple of weeks ago saying hang on a second we should just think about this rather than people like me and others around us constantly going after them for what I think their shortcomings are let's just distill down what they do on a pitch and let's not argue about this because it is like I said you know all boats rise in a high tide I think that the the quality of football in the Premier League is directly relational to the Guardiola experience and the Klopp experience yeah. and Man City at the front of that queue what will make them the thoroughly appreciated champions if they, if they win Still this having such whining fans no come on mm. come on I mean I think I think they should be respected for who they are what they are where they've come from and what they may be about to do I think that's absolutely true I think that you know you, on one hand you have tribalism and you have people people are respectful of Man City's play they're not sure. respectful of some of the Man City's activities off the field like this morning I wrote an article two weeks ago a very glowing article at Man City but you've got Man City fans piling in because <laughs> I dared say if Noel Gallagher comes in the studio I'll, I'll, I'll laugh if they come on the back of defeats it's that kind of attitude but then yeah. that's not unique to Man City that's most football fans to be honest yeah. it just happens to be that Man City fans are the ones that seem to be most vociferous at times on here mm. but I also don't think this, we've never established and it might, be, it might be a case of bleeding obvious that there's the idea that Man City must win the Champions League to be defined as a football team. I don't actually think they do need to win it to be defined as a football team because it's a cup competition. Winning the Premier League and winning it repeatedly and endlessly... They need to win it, Simon. Oh, I think... I think to, to, to Guardiola dis- needs to win this. I think to dispel certain arguments, yeah. They and need to, put, to win it. And to put yourself in the corridors yeah. of those that are considered to be elite. Yeah. Now, back in the day, weren't Ajax a dominant form, a dominant yes, team yeah. in the European Cup when True. it was a European... What's happened to them then? They're not mm. on the table anymore, are they? No. So th- th- you don't have to be defined by that. But then the argument then would be is that Ajax are accepted as a powerhouse of football. Sure. And Man City are not. They're like a Johnny-come-lately. Yeah. So I do think they... But the brief for Guardiola is to be better than everybody else. And we'll give you the tools to be so. So he's done that in English domestic football. He's been better than everybody else. Your 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan.
Thanks for listening to Outspoken. Don't forget to leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back tomorrow. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business. Removing friction and frustration for your employees. Supercharging productivity for your developers. Providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.